Hello and welcome to the Creativity Conference's official podcast. My name is Aidan Rode, and in this podcast, I'll be discussing all aspects of creativity with some of our world-class creative speakers who will be joining us in Iceland for the conference this coming August. Today, I am joined by the incredible Dan Mace, who is an award-winning filmmaker, musician, director, and YouTube creator with over three quarters of a million subscribers. And his latest project, The Brew Show, was just released on Discovery+. Plus. Dan, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, how are you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm really good. 2022, much better than 2021, which was far better than 2020. So yeah, yes. it's a good year. I just mentioned the, uh, the Brew Show, um, but what are some of your other current creative projects that you're allowed to talk about that you're particularly excited to get out of bed in the morning and work on? Cool. Yeah, there's quite a, a few different things, which is problematic because I feel like, I don't know, I, I get sort of involved in a project. I, how do I say this? I always want to throw myself 100% into something. And then when when it starts to hit that boring part within the project, then I, I try and reignite it with a new project. So then I sit with like three projects that I'm equally as passionate about. So I think what, for one example is um, I've been developing a feature film for three years, which is also it shouldn't be in the script phase for three years. I mean, some some film directors would would say, you know, that that's completely fine and normal, but um yeah i i've reached the point where the we've been developing the script and workshopping the script and it's just you know i know that if i go the next step then it's going to be six months um so i've been like holding that off with smaller projects um and i you know i've I've been waiting for the confidence to take that leap of faith but in the meantime i've been um yeah working on the brew show for discovery plus and we've been doing a bunch of other um films with discovery plus as a company and I'm actually, I'm busy um, changing the business um, to, it's called All of Us. Um, so from Joe Films to All of Us, I've brought on a partner for the first time in my life. His name's Convertish. Um, he's a highly awarded creative from South Africa. Um, and yeah, so I don't know how much I can really, uh, yeah, so All of Us is a, it's a creative network, a global creative network that we've set up on a, on a, discord channel um where in in 2019 i did a show on my on my youtube channel called the not normal show where i had an online map where you could come on and plant your unfinished ideas which were seeds and then i and you could vote on them and 40,000 seeds were planted um and I, I flew to, I, I, the goal was to fly to all of them right to go and complete these ideas with people i got to like 12 of these ideas um in a year um the 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 intent was to do one a week but that's ridiculous flying there shooting editing so it took me about two and a half weeks or three weeks to to do them long story long okay the reason why i'm mentioning that is because once the map once i got through that i had all the all this data all these filmmakers around the world and i was wondering you know what what do i do with that how can i take this further so we've we're slowly rolling this out where um we're creating these global films with um filmmakers from all around the world i think we've got a, about 100 different countries around the world now um 
where we can access it's the first time to create actual sustainable films where you don't have to burn jet fuel and drive cars and stay in expensive hotels um to and then also in the in in the next where it's um uh it's uh it's completely authentic which i think is you know with the gen z market the new generation it's the the gen z's are the are the first to call bullshit and um this is a, a true way to create um completely unfiltered and and truly authentic uh pieces of film through using the actual community to do so within that area i think that was a hell of a lot of information there in one go so uh yeah we can slowly break those down but yeah that's that's pretty much the gist of it i think with what i'm busy with right now yeah yeah it's such a great idea and a little shout out i'm i was part of the 100 filmmakers contingent that did the one of the films that i think is on discovery plus now um i don't know oh, if i yes. made the cut i haven't seen it but i was oh we part actually of the, screened uh... it last night yeah yeah we screened it on the discord last night um the the what does happiness mean to you film yeah yeah ah oh, sorry i wasn't there but uh, no, i can't no wait worries. to see it i'll send it to you yeah perfect I realize I understand that you had uh, COVID fairly early on in the pandemic uh, in terms of the grand scheme of things. And I understand that it, you got hit pretty hard by it. How, other than affecting your physical health for a few weeks, uh, how did it affect your overall sort of workflow and creativity? Did you find that you were more sort of creatively enabled or stifled by the challenges it posed? Here in South Africa, it caused a lot of controversy um, when I first uh found out that i had covid um because of a friend of mine casey made a video um casey neistat's a, a a youtuber obviously um and i yeah we we all got sick him myself jesse and we just didn't know what it what it was then and that was way early on i guess it was in in like beginning of february end of january um 2020 then then I, I had multiple doctors. We, I, I saw three different doctors um, and I said, yeah, you know, there's this, there's this flu thing happening in China. And that, that was all we were getting told at the time in the States. Um, they were like, there's no way. It's absolutely impossible. That, that sickness doesn't come yet, you know. Um, and then we, I, I've gotten a plane about a month later, um, flew home, and they were doing all of the uh, temperature tests and everything the thermometer and i i went through the airport and I, I came back and it was my bachelor's and i i went to the, a weekend away and i couldn't taste anything um and i spoke to my father-in-law who's an ent and he said oh yeah you know that that could have that that just it can randomly happen to some people and then on on the tuesday uh he got a, an email from the world health organization to say that one of the this is one of the symptoms so he said just go for a test and i came out positive um but because I had attended my bachelor's and we went to this festival, um, I had to go and tell the, the festival, which they, I think in turn, I don't know if they had to give back all the money for the tickets, but I'm assuming that's what happened. And um, yeah, they were very angry and they made a big scene about, and I got known as this, or labeled here at least as like a, this guy who goes around, this influencer, you know, uh, that goes, this world traveling bad influencer that goes around like infecting people and stuff. And it was really difficult for me. I was getting, you know, my wife and I were getting really harsh emails and messages from, from, you know, people that we thought were friends. And so that, I mean, that side of it really affected my, um, 
my mental state and which definitely controls my creativity. I, I'm one of those, like, I, I'm, I either go very high or very low. And I think when I'm very low, that's where the creativity happens, but it comes out when I'm high enough to release that, that stuff. Um, when I'm confident enough to release the stuff that I was thinking about when I was like low down. So I'm sure a lot of uh, creativity happened in that, in that part of feeling like hopeless and, and shitty. Um, and then I made a lot of films from there and quite a lot of really like success ones that did well on YouTube, I guess, if you want to gauge success and met with the metrics of views and likes. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, I, that, that's when I was just in my garage and I was making music out of a brick and like, I got married with cardboard guests in my garden. And I think being confined to like my walls of my house, um, there was something with it that just really helped me think outside the box like I've never really done before. And nowadays I'm in this massive studio and I've got all these very talented people that I work with. And that's then I struggle to be um creative because i've got so much access and yeah sometimes i kind of miss just being locked inside i don't know yeah interesting so how important overall is your environment to your creativity i mean you've got this like unbelievably creative studio you've got this half pipe you're like you're yeah. pretty close to the sea you can go surfing whenever you like but can that be a hindrance sometimes totally i think it's completely a hindrance um it makes life so much easier um and i think that that's the problem so if i had to go okay well i'll give up all the stuff and in turn um i'll be more creative and i'll make these films that are far more relatable to people i wouldn't personally personally be able to make that decision because i've put myself into a category where life is easier because i've got people that are helping me now and I've got all these cool things in the studio. So on the one side, it's really great and it's a lot of fun. But on the other side, I struggle to think about stuff on a, on, in its like rawest form. And, you know, if you like, for example, during lockdown, all I had was some shit in my garage and I had one camera. That was it. To come up with ideas was simple because that's all I had. So I could put it all out on the floor and be like, what can I do with all of these things? If I did a tier in the space, I would go, well, I've got, you know, Nanlite came in and they, they sponsored us, uh, you know, almost a million rands worth of lights, which is like $70,000 worth of lights, you know, and that sort of thing, like, um, and uh, Rode and all these great brands. We've got all these toys and all this awesome stuff, which I'm very, very grateful for. That's not what I'm saying. And I hope I'm not like pissing anyone off. Um, but yes, I think that when you are alone, um, and when you have less uh, stuff, it's, it's, it is easier to really think outside the box and be able to, yeah, create something that's really relatable. Hmm. I mean, it's a bit of a first world problem, but yeah, you can become almost complacent when you have everything around you that you could ever not, never need. Totally, totally a first world problem. That's why I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm, I <laughs> no, don't want to sound like I'm not uh, grateful because I really am. I'm just, uh, yeah. I saw that you recently spent some time with Casey, who you mentioned, and some other big creators, uh, Mr. Beast and Logan Paul. Um, that's 
quite an uh, eclectic mix of creators yeah, yeah. Uh, all in south africa in one group what what was that t- was spending time with that group like and did you were there any sort of takeaways that you you gleaned from them totally um i think first of all uh logan um is just such an incredible and wise person very thoughtful um and I don't think that, well, from my side, originally watching his content and the way that maybe um, he even painted himself within his YouTube videos and the way that the media definitely paints him. And I think his brother as well, like thrown in, in the mix there. Um, I I judged him before I actually got to meet him properly. And, and meeting him, I was really um, surprised isn't the right word, but I... Yeah, I was I was firstly honored to 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 meet him, and um, he had actually watched um, my videos before. and And when I met him, he said, "Ah, oh, you know, I've been actually busy been watching your videos." And I thought, "Fuck, that's that's pretty crazy." Um, Casey sent me a video of of Jimmy and Logan both sitting and watching my videos. He obviously got them to do it because he's a a legend like that. Um, but that that was really um, that was crazy for me to see. Um, so yeah, Logan is is an incredible guy. Um, I was lucky enough to develop, I, I think, to be what is a, a good friendship for the future. Um, Jimmy as well. I mean, they they completely different characters, you know. Um, Jimmy is yeah, he's also he's great and uh, he's wise. He's so wise. He's like a it's like a forty forty year old businessman wise. You know, he knows exactly how to how to think about something in in the way in which to um, turn it into really good business, uh, if that makes sense. Um, and then obviously Casey, who's a dear friend of mine, and he's just hilariously funny. And I I think the three of them together was like the the craziest mix of of creators. And yeah, it was amazing for South Africa, and it was really it was really great for Cape Town. I think the um, the tourism board hopefully will will see um, you know will be able to benefit from from having them here and and them speaking about it. Um, I got a text from Logan last night just to say how incredible uh, uh, Cape Town is and how much he loved being here um, in South Africa. That's awesome. Yeah. And something that uh, Casey's done and and you have done as well and to some extent the others um, is sort of moving away from traditional media formats and uh, sort of usurping uh, academic styles of filmmaking. Like you, you and Casey now both have your own sort of online film schools um, and you're sort of, yeah, really pushing the, meth- the message that film school is, is far less necessary than it was, say, 20, 30 years ago. Um, what is so important to you about uh, taking on this traditional academic style of filmmaking? Uh, again, I don't want to piss anyone off because I I well, did yeah. <laughs> one I I did one year of film college yeah and I did an interview like way back when when I I first got some recognition for a film that I did when I was much I was much younger and I I won a a, a YDA at Cannes and yeah they they wrote this ridiculous headline they were like film school dropout becomes red carpet regular i was never on a red carpet you know what i mean and i wasn't a, i wasn't a film school dropout either so i think that people take 
yeah, what, my words a bit out of context. I think film school, the, the issue with film school is it's very expensive. Um, and not everybody can, you know, they're only in select areas and they're usually in, in CBDs, um, in capitals. And it's, it's very difficult to, for many people to be able to attain. And the thing about these online courses is that they are highly attainable. They, they, you can also hear from the master in, in their craft. I'm not calling myself a master. This is me speaking about Casey's online course. Okay. Um, and yeah, you get, you get to hear from the, the people that you aspire to make films like that you, you, you support and you've watched their craft, you get to see the behind the scenes. Um, it's just, it makes so much more sense. You can say for the same price it costs to go to film college, you can do 10 different online courses from 10 different creators and, or creative people and, and be able to figure that all out. Um, I think also, Another problem with film school is that they, it's very much set in one way. There's one curriculum that they keep on revisiting. Um, and I don't even think they really at film school now are teaching uh, the style of being an, an all-encompassing filmmaker. So you can, you can write your own piece, you can edit. They're very much supporting the traditional system of you know, there has to be a producer on set that's got a PM and there's a director with a, a first AD and, they, you know, there's gaffers and the whole lighting department and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, and it's very specialized. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, for some people it'll work if, if that's the route you want to go down, but definitely not, uh, not for me. Yeah, there is sort of this this war waging at the moment between traditional formats and YouTube, and it has been raging for many years, and I assume it'll rage for many years to come. Um, you've sort of split your time evenly in the past, well, maybe not evenly, but you've certainly split your time between your YouTube stuff and then directing commercials and films. What do you see as sort of the pros and cons of each format briefly and uh do you think there will ever be a, a true winner for people's attention? I like how you said briefly in there, because you, you knew that <laughs> I could have probably gone off and spoken for like an hour. It's a big question. Yeah, because, you, okay, the, my problem, I don't know if it's a problem again. My, my thing is, is that I only come up with answers when I'm speaking. So like, if you, if you went to watch something of me three years ago, I'd probably contradict myself, because the more <laughs> I learn, you know, well, it's like uh, everything that's in my mind, it like comes out. Um, and yeah, so it, it probably, it's, this is all making sense to me while I'm busy speaking to you. But the the traditional world, again, is it's, it's much, it's not easier. It's, uh, there's much more support. Um, so when you, when you're doubting yourself or your creative vision, there's always someone there to have your back and remind you of what the original idea was. There's always somebody, especially if you, you get to work with highly creative teams, you get to work with, sometimes if you're lucky enough, you get to work with really, really great creative directors, which will have your best interest. Um, then you've got your producer, who's your, you know, your wingman, your, your right-hand man or right-hand woman. Um, you've got uh, a whole team around you that, that you usually work with and a DP. Um, but then you are locked into sticking to 
kind of one thing because you've got a whole team. They all understand uh, the way that you've originally pitched this thing. And it's very difficult to make big changes. When you are a YouTuber or a one-man band, or even if there's two of you, when you start to doubt the idea, it becomes very, very tough. You know, when you kind of pitch this idea to somebody and they don't laugh, if you thought it was funny, the whole thing comes crashing down and you start to try to think that you should, re, you should change, rethink this. And there's no one to really turn to. You don't have that, that production support. However, um, you are able to make those changes and you have the, the last say. It's your creative. You get to do what you, what you set out, uh, you know, not what you set out to do. You get to, to serve your, um, your creative purpose. And halfway through, if you feel like that wasn't working, you can turn direction and create something else with it, which can never happen in traditional space, unless you like Spike Jones or Darren Aronofsky. But I, I still feel like they would struggle to, you know? So yeah, I, I live with one foot on either side of the fence. And uh, I know that uh, that is no, it's never a good thing. You gotta, I gotta throw myself 100% into one of them, but I could just never make a decision because that's, I sometimes, I just have so much self-doubt uh, most of the time. And I do, I, I struggle with my mental health and my depression and my anxiety, which weighs heavily on, on my ability to make decisions um, based on myself. Um, and that's why it's sometimes easier for me to then work with a creative team because they they go, this is the right thing to do. Don't worry if you're down. We'll have your back. We'll make sure this goes through. And then when I'm when that's not a problem for me and I'm I'm feeling confident and everything is good and I'm stuck in this traditional side, I go like, ah, I just want to break free. I want to I want to do this other thing. So it, I mean, I think for myself, I've I've been able to balance it out in the way in which it best uh, kind of serves my my mental health and what some people call a disposition, but I've, I've been kind of been able to try and turn it into a good thing. Yeah. Well, it's a testament to your versatility that you're able to continually do both. Um, and you know, not just crumble <laughs> under, uh, under both guises and also dovetailing from that. Um, is there anything that particularly gets under your skin when, uh, people in the traditional side of things, uh, talk about YouTube when they clearly don't understand it? I think it's all changed now. I think that people still, like, some people, they don't understand. Um, and I find myself now, I watch uh, TikTok videos, and some of them I just don't get. Like, I absolutely don't get it. But the within the Gen Z market, um, and even the Gen Alpha market, like we're going way, like we're talking eight-year-olds, uh, you know, that are finding this stuff funny and relatable. I've realized that I'm just one of those traditional people that just didn't understand. Um, like my my cousins are like, I don't know, 17. And they they play me this music and they say, this is like the new shit. This is good. And I listen to it. And I never thought I'd be this person that goes, fuck, this is shit. Like, this is not music to me, but what do I know? You know, it's, it's, it's about the market. So it used to piss me off. Um, but, you know, when I, I left my traditional job as a uh, film director in 2017 and 
I got told that I'm going to downgrade to being a YouTuber. That was, I think, the first time. It didn't really piss me off then. It just it made me like really ambitious to try and make a career out of it. Because I think that was at the brink of people starting to develop this, um, you know, being able to make money on YouTube. Um, but other than that, I mean, for me, I don't, I think if my content was slightly different, I would be getting a lot more comments. I, I try and balance between art and commerce. I try and find myself somewhere in the middle. If I'm moving too much on the commerce side, I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of um, comments that come from people that just don't understand and they go, you know, this is the, this is not art or this is the death of, of art or whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I can imagine some people say that. Yeah. Of all the projects that you've worked on, of which there are, there are many, um, are there any in particular that sort of lesser known about or underappreciated in your books that you've got a bit of a, a soft spot for and you wish that more people were aware of? Well, now what, what we're working on, The Brew Show, like if we had a look at metrics and successes, you know, when I was first making YouTube videos and I was in the flow and I was like serving the platform, the views were a lot higher. But when I watch those films back, they're cringy to me. It's hard for me to watch them. And then the stuff now, I'm like, yo, okay, I'm actually excited about them. They look pretty good, but the the views are less. But I just think that that's the landscape of YouTube nowadays. I think that that it's very difficult to to get views like we used to be able to get in uh, 2017, 2018. But a project, the one that I've actually been the most passionate about is the one that hasn't been released yet, but it's only on Discovery Plus. So it'll come on YouTube. Is the the happiness film with the the hundred different filmmakers around the world. When I watched that, um, so editing it is one thing, and then watching it back, and then then when I watched it. I cried, like properly cried tears of it. I've never felt more connected to something. Um, and w watching the footage of, of all these people, all these like-minded people around the world, all speaking about one simple or two simple things that make them happy, not in a cliched sense. That, that's where I was worried where the film was going to go. I thought it was going to be, could, could have come out cheesy, cliche, like a Pinterest quote or something. But the uniqueness of the answers and when you step back and you realize how much talent and beauty is out there, like, oh, geez, it's beautiful. I'll send it to you. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's something super special. And I, I hope that enough people get to see it so that, you know, they can, it's something to make you smile for sure. Yeah. When you feel it was... done. It was an, a privilege to be part of the the group of filmmakers contributing to that. Um, awesome, yeah, thank you. Just before we we wrap up, I know we're running swiftly out of time. Uh, I know we've talked a lot about your your career thus far. Are there any creative outlets outside of your work that uh, keep you creatively fulfilled? Yeah, uh, music is a big passion of mine. I've always said if I wasn't. In film, I think I would have been a musician of some sort. I can't sing at all, but I can play a few different instruments. Um, I'm actually in the music studio now. I'm sitting here because um, this is like this whole place is deadened, like this, the sound. So I kind of like to sit in here sometimes and just think it's just a good place to do like meetings like this. 
I think, yeah, f music for me is like one, one of those things where I just don't think when it's happening. Um, and that's really great. And then surfing for me, being in the ocean is a big part of my life. I'm actually developing, see, this is another thing. I've got another film on the go. It's called Blue Mind Theory. And it's a, it's about the, the ocean or large bodies of water and how it reduces anxiety. But it's also a play on obviously my blue mind, which is, it's got a lot to do with um, depression and anxiety and, and how I find a, a, a state of stillness um, when I'm surrounded by this massive thing that's so much bigger than I am and so much bigger than my thoughts and my problems. So I, I, I've stopped being so like aggressive as a surfer. Um, you know, when I was younger, you, you had to be in competitions, you would have to be constantly moving and going and it would be just about how, how well you surf. When nowadays I look at the ocean completely differently and I can paddle out when there's no waves and just sit there. Um, so yeah, it's music and, and the ocean would definitely be um, two outlets for me. Yeah, the biggest ones. A lot of creatives have, have likened the feeling of sort of perfectly catching a, a wave when you're surfing to sort of entering a, a flow state in creativity. And yeah. I think there's a lot of parallels there that can be drawn. Timothy Leary, yeah, has got like such a, a great quote. Um, it's something about, you know, the, the future is ahead of you and the past is right behind you and you're like in this perfect state of presence and you can't be, you balanced between the two. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful sentiment. Well, one final question that I ask everybody on this, uh, this podcast at the end uh, is a pretty ambiguous one and potentially another difficult one to answer concisely, but uh, it's just as a creative, what does creativity mean to you? I've written a lot of different answers for this. Um, I think it's about believing in an idea so much that you turn it into some form of art. Um, I think that it's about, yeah, it's a projection of what's on the inside. Um, it's like trying to make sense of an unanswered question in a form of music, dance, poetry, filmmaking, architecture, even I still look at it and I, I, I like my brother-in-law is a, I don't really know what to call it. It's like a chartered accountant or something. He makes like a ton of money doing spreadsheets and shit. Um, but that is creative in its own way. He has to find loopholes and things. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of look at any, anything like that as, as some form of being able to figure things out and, and put it into some form of action. Hope that makes sense. There's so many different manifestations of creativity in every walk of life. So that's, that was, that was very well put. Well, um, we're out of time, but thank you so much for joining me, Dan. It's been a real uh, pleasure to have you on. And, Amazing. Uh, 
it's it's going to be amazing to have you in Iceland for the Creativity Conference in August this coming year. Yeah, can't wait. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully we'll see some of you uh, tuning in at home uh, coming as attendees because it's going to be an unbelievably cool event. And yeah, thank you again for listening and thanks awesome. again for joining me, Dan. Perfect. Cheers. Cheers.